Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king who made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants saying, tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burnt up their city. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they who were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all, as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I speak in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. I suspect many of you have heard this phrase before. In fact, it dates back to October 1939 and was made famous by Winston Churchill. He was talking about Russia and the actions then being taken by them in furtherance of their foreign interest. Years later, with the downing of a civilian airliner flight MH17 over Ukraine and the bombing of hospitals and the inexcusable maiming of children in Aleppo, perhaps Russian foreign action continues to be equally inexplicable, certainly still a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. But I do use that phrase with you today in the quite different context of theology. When I first became a lay minister, I remember that one of the acknowledged challenges for any new preacher was responding to an invitation to speak on Trinity Sunday, which this year was the 22nd of May. Such invitations involve speaking on the Trinity. And indeed this, a fundamental doctrine of our faith and belief, is both controversial and complicated. Whilst many Christians will admit they don't understand it, Many others may also not understand it, but claim that they do, or even think they do. Three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Yes, a riddle, wrapped in a mystery, inside an enigma. But in the case of Trinity Sunday, necessarily explicable. 
And indeed, the same can be said about many of the parables connected and contained within the Synoptic Gospels. Hence, I put on the sheet the reading for today. And occasional churchgoers may think they appreciate what is being said, but we might often fail through lack of theological understanding, perhaps, in grasping what the underlying situation was and the deeper message of the teaching. Jesus said, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus spoke in parables, acknowledging that not all would have the capacity to fully understand what he was telling them. And for many, the parable of the wedding garment, our gospel reading we've just had, is particularly difficult to fully comprehend. Indeed, it, I, note, I noted one religious commentator helpfully advising the would-be preacher on this reading that this parable is for theologically mature audiences only. Certainly not for giving to children at Sunday school. How do we all compare to the clever, educated, and learned audience of chief priests, scribes, and elders of Jerusalem to which Jesus was originally directing the parable? Because, of course, taken at face value alone, this parable is somewhat disconcerting. What on earth had the poor wedding guest, dragged in unwillingly and unexpectedly off the street, done to deserve such appalling treatment from the king? And all that after first being addressed as a friend. So I may need to rely on the theological maturity of us all here today in St. Stephen's, or listening later on the London Internet Church. Now distanced in time by 2,000 years, reliance on the gospel scripture and reliant on it, we need to attempt to appreciate exactly what was happening in Jerusalem at this particular stage of Jesus' ministry, always against the background of the complex history of the Jews as recorded through the prophets and familiar to the chief priests and elders. And we have to presume that it was in his divine wisdom that Jesus chose to adopt the long-held Jewish tradition of teaching in parables. Always note the introductory phase, for it is as if, or the kingdom of heaven is like, followed by a contemporary story. In their very nature, parables are full of simile and metaphor, requiring an educated interpretation, I can assure you, to discern their deeper and true teaching. And parables were heard then just as now with differing levels of understanding. A parallel, perhaps, we could draw with our modern newspapers. At a surface level, they may appear to tell or display graphically a simple story as a presentation of current news. But for those with greater insight, a newspaper analyzed at a deeper level may be seen to convey a strong and consistent message, sympathetic to perhaps a party political or very heavily encoded. Parables comprised religious teaching so often delivered and they were very heavily encoded. It was almost as if the deeper teaching, that lying beneath the story, was being made in a different language, not always understandable to all. It was the chief priests, educated scribes, and learned elders that were equipped to recognize and decipher the coded message, able to interpret and to discuss the full implication of the teaching between themselves. And in returning to Matthew 22, we are presented in the wedding story with a considerable cast of characters and events, 
the king, the son of the king, the wedding banquet, the king's guest list, his priority guests, the initial summons to these guests, the king's necessary second summons to his guest list, this time giving a bit more of a sell, the servants who are killed, the slaughter of the murderers, the other alternative guests who did attend, the wedding garment situation with the guest not in a wedding garment, and off stage, and not even making an appearance in this particular play, was the bride. Each of these characters and individual events and what they related to were fully recognizable to those well-versed in religion and history. Dressed up as a story, the clever coding was readily decipherable to those who had ears to hear. The illusions could be readily recognized by Jesus' audience, those with religious and historical knowledge of the story of the people of Israel. Of course, it is a feature of Bible readings in church services such as this that we hear them read outside of the context. In our modern jargon, they are taken out of the timeline. But this important parable has a key place locked within the full narrative of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus had already prodded and provoked through the preceding parable, the parable of the vineyard, also known as the parable of the wicked tenants. Parables given with a line of very uncomfortable teaching were already serving to set Jesus on a firm collision course with the Jewish religious leaders. So just what was the underlying disguised message being passed to the chief priests and elders in this particular parable of the wedding banquet? It will not surprise you all as a sophisticated congregation. The message is absolutely nothing about weddings. Deciding who to invite, chasing up the guest responses, finding alternative guests, or ensuring the correct wedding clothes are worn. Some preachers, I note, delight in explaining at length the customs and protocol of Jewish weddings 2,000 years ago, or reflecting on the embarrassment of being caught incorrectly attired at an important function. But today, we can just cut to the true meaning. The parable was, of course, all about God's promised calling of the Jews to the gospel and to salvation, and rather like the privilege of receiving a modern royal invitation. It was an important matter, not to be taken lightly, and certainly not an invitation to be ignored. But as we know, the invitation was to be roundly rejected by the Jews, even after a concentrated effort made by John the Baptist, Christ himself, the apostles and ministers, to get them all along. And with the Jews' rejection of Jesus' teaching, the invitation was then extended to the Gentiles. Now, the offer of Christ and the calling of the Gentiles to salvation was certainly not expected or to be tolerated by the Jewish elite, the chosen people, as they called themselves not after all the promises made in the Old Testament. And of course, this parable could simply have ended with the wedding feast now being enjoyed by the alternative guests. The point had been made. But Jesus decides to add a further twist in the tale, and it is perhaps the one that often causes us some difficulty in understanding. It is here that we truly find our riddle, wrapped in a mystery. All those wishing to come to salvation whether Jew or Gentile, still needed to have a Christian frame of mind to be living by faith in Christ. The Bible often uses clothing as a metaphor. Indeed, clothing metaphors were very much of the ancient Syriac tradition to show how we must put on behavior that is pleasing to God. And indeed, 
Even today, some of our well-known hymns use the same metaphor. Reclothe us in our rightful minds. Many will be called to the wedding feast, that is to salvation, but we all need to be found wearing the righteousness of Christ. Are we correctly attired? Many will be invited and examined that we indeed have faith. Will we be turned away? So in the familiar words found in another well-known and much-loved hymn, reclothe us in our rightful mind, dear Lord and Father of mankind, before we arrive for the wedding feast and meet the bridegroom. Perhaps the best clue to fully understanding this parable of the wedding banquet within the chain of events is to realize the dismay and anger with which it was received. We need to read the verse that Pharisees follows our reading in Matthew 22, verse 15. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him, Jesus, in his words. So after all that, the chief priests and elders of Jerusalem could not miss the point being made by Jesus in this challenging parable. So we should try and not miss the point either. Looking inside the enigma and unwrapping the mystery we solve the riddle. This is a quite uncompromising parable about judgment. Are we too busy doing other things? There is danger in over-relying on God's offer of salvation. Even our attendance here at church and attending services may possibly not just be enough if we cannot also through faith and through our actions accept the grace and righteousness that God provides to us in Christ. For many are invited, but few are chosen. <laughs>